In marriage, do thou be wise. Prefer the person before money, virtue before beauty, the mind before the body, then thou hast a wife, a friend, a companion, a second self. Well said, William Penn. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity, and this is sort of episode two in our kind of three-part series on marriage. And today we are looking at sort of the good wife perspective. Um, and hopefully next week on Saturday, we'll be having the husband side of things. So before we start diving into this episode, is there anything you would like to say? Any prayer requests that you have? Um, I don't have any specific prayer requests for anyone. I mean, I just pray that this episode is taken well and don't, uh, I don't know. It's touchy. Get upset. But yeah, they never seem to, to get upset when you talk about the, the <laughs> godly husband. Everyone's like, yeah. And then you're like, well, the godly wife. And like, settle down now. Settle down. <laughs> so we'll do the yeah. best we can. I pray I explain things well. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to do the best we can. Um, I would ask for your prayers just for us and our children. You know, we've sort of ramped up kind of, we've always sort of read the Bible and stuff with the kids. We've sort of ramped that up recently. And I just pray that something's getting through, you know, it's like every time we sit down to read, I'm like, I want to beat my head against the wall. But, you know, I pray that we're raising them in the way they should go. And mm -hmm. when they're older, they won't depart. So just pray for us that we don't freak out and ruin it. And the kids are actually yeah. absorbing some of the stuff that we're talking about. Because that is what we hope. Um, yeah. so for this week, you know, since this is kind of our first real episode under sort of this new, just doing them on Saturday kind of a thing, mm -hmm. we're going to try to get, run the full, you know, gambit here. We're going to try to touch on some new stories. Um, we'll get into our biblical topic of the week. Um, we have our sermon recommendations for you. Those will be at the end. Um, and then. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a good episode and we'll get to everything in the way that we're hoping to get to it. <laughs> if not, and you don't like it, please let us know. Um, we will try yep. to tighten this thing up and make it enjoyable and profitable for you. That is our goal here, not just wasting our own time. But um, So we do want to kick this off with the news of the week, uh, mostly because the news stinks and the Bible doesn't, and we'd rather spend our time in the Bible talking about biblical things rather than looking in the cesspool that is the news. Um, so it didn't seem like there was any gigantic news stories coming out this week. Um, so kind of the one big story that I think everyone sort of knows about, and sorry, it's raining here or it's about to start raining. So we're going to do our best to get this episode done before it starts downpouring on our skylight here. Um, mm. But the big news story that, you know, I thought was that uh, Jelaine Maxwell got convicted, if you aren't familiar. Mm -hmm. um, I think people you, were forgetting about that. <laughs> yeah, the media has done a wonderful job of not making it that big of a story. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of details. I know a lot of people were kind of hoping for some more, you know, sorted details to come out from this trial. Doesn't seem that that's been the case, but she did get convicted, as it says here, on five of the six charges that were against her or that they put up against her um, sort of having to do with kind of the child exploitation, the sex trafficking with Jeffrey Epstein. So uh, we'll see what ultimately comes out, out of this. She's facing 65 years in prison. Mm. Um, so obviously disgusting story. We've been following Epstein um, for any amount of time, but I would just call all Christians, you know, we should be praying. Mm. Um, not just for the victims, of course, we should be praying for the victims, the judge, you know, the jurors, everybody kind of involved in this case to make sure that they're doing um, God's will and God's, you know, uh, justice would be um, enacted. But don't forget Jelaine Maxwell. She's still a human. She still has a soul. She still has an eternity. Um, and nobody is outside of God's reach. Mm -hmm. So uh, consider keeping her in your prayers as well and see if, you know, God would see fit to bring her back in line with him. I mean, it'd be a pretty miraculous story, but yeah, we do serve a God of the miraculous. Mm -hmm. So 
just keep her in your prayers and everyone involved and everyone that's been abused and suffered at their hands because mm-hmm. um, the story's not done especially for those that suffered you right. know that's a lifetime's worth of pain so um that was kind of to me the new story that kind of stuck out this week um but the one that we wanted to touch on since this is the first episode of the new year 2022 now um mm-hmm. so we wanted to look back in uh christianity today kind of did an article looking at their top 20 um, stories that they wrote in 2021. So, and then like always, we'll have these articles and everything linked. You can go check those out in the show notes. But we just wanted to look at the stories that we thought were kind of big or important to us or just ones that stuck out to us. Um, so you were saying, honey, one that at least you were reading, and, and we've talked about some of these too on the on the show here you could probably go back in the archives and find some of the shows where we've talked about these different topics Mm -hmm. um it was the best more one yeah for five and says beth moore says she's no longer a southern baptist and it's i don't know just reading through this it's like she just doesn't want to associate with them i guess the many southern baptists were you know supportive of trump and trying to like however it said like how she said it like spiritualize who he is and so she didn't agree with that so now she doesn't want to be associated with southern baptist and also their stance on women not being preachers which i could see her disagreeing with because she's got a big voice and she likes to teach and, yeah. and preach and all that so I was just thinking, like, be cautious of her. I mean, pray for her, but a lot of people follow her, and we get offended, especially when it comes to politics, and we step away from the church leadership we've been under our whole lives and disagree with them and say we don't want to associate with them. Like, that's pride, and that's just she's just down the wrong path, I think, just saying she's no longer who she was brought up as. and. I would just be on the lookout. Just, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought of when, you know, we were looking at this story is just be um, be watchful. You know, mm-hmm. anytime you start kind of walking down this road away from your roots, mm-hmm. um, there's no telling where you, you know, how far you might go. So I know there's a lot of Christians out there that are probably already like, oh, Beth Moore, you know, whatever, she stinks or progressive and all these sorts of things. You know, yeah. that's already out there about Beth Moore. Right, um, right. So who knows if this is just a start of something worse. Um, Again, keep her in your prayers. Um, You know, she still says in here that she loves Jesus in the Bible and all that, but she's just separating from the Southern Baptist Convention. But again, anytime you start walking away from where your roots were, uh, I would just be leery of that. Mm -hmm. So good story. Go check it out. As for me, the story that kind of jumped out to me here was this one about the Bethlehem Baptist leaders clashing uh, over coddling and cancel culture. And the reason why this story stuck out to me, not that it was necessarily that big of a deal in my life, but I think this is a story that could have impacts further into 2022 and beyond. Um, It says in here, let me see if I can find it. I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Yeah, right here. Um, It says... There's been a deepening of divisions among American evangelicals, exposing disagreements not in theology per se, but in how they as Christians see their greatest priorities and fears in society. It's been accelerated by political polarization, racial reckoning, and pandemic stress. And then just a little further down, it says, uh, part of what's happening in the last five years plus especially is emerging fault lines among people with sensibly shared theological commitments Um, Rigney said in an interview with CT, at the same time, there's been an escalation of language and inflation of language such that when a certain issue rises to where it becomes the litmus test, where it becomes you're either with us or against Mm us, as opposed to simply a different instinct or tendency within a same shared theological theological commitment, that's when there's real problems and it's Mm. hard to work together. And I definitely see this being an issue going forward i mean obviously we've 
just talked about Beth Moore, right? Mm -hmm. She sort of had this political difference. Um, She may say it's spiritual. They may say it's political, um, but she's separating now. And we've all seen the way that the news, and this is a strategy. This is a strategy of Satan to Mm -hmm. drive these wedges. You know, the politicians Mm -hmm. are just an arm of Satan. The news media is an arm of Satan to drive these divisions. They want us divided in separate camps where that there's no crossover, you know, because obviously as Christians, we should be able to love Christ, love each other as brothers and sisters and Mm -hmm. have a difference on taxes or, you know, (laughs) whatever the political issue happens to be. But we've become so divided in this nation where we don't even want to associate with brothers and sisters in Christ if they voted the wrong way. And that. That can be, I mean, it's been damaging to this point, and it can be more damaging if we don't get this under control. So this story is very important to me. Um, I think we have to be very careful, you know, as Christians, you know, you know, kind of segregating people along these lines that aren't um, religious, even mm-hmm. segregating along religious lines, you shouldn't be doing. I know we may be accused of that. You know, we've talked on this show quite a bit about if somebody's unrepentant and all these sorts of things, you need to get them out of your church, but that doesn't mean you should get them out of your life. Um, right. That's a very different thing. The church is where believers go to be strengthened in the faith. Yeah. And we always your life that they're restored. Right. Yeah. You get them out so that they can f- see that like, Hey, right. I'm not where I need to be kind of a thing, but yeah. they should not be that's out of your point. life. They should not be out of your prayers, out of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where we're getting to in this world where you could be, brothers and sisters in Christ going to the same church for decades. And now all of a sudden here you are in 2020, you know, and you're no longer associating with each other because he voted for Joe Biden and you voted for Trump. It's insane. Hmm. Um, So just watch out for that. Be in prayer for that. Ask that God would move, start healing this land. Uh, I I don't think that the hard years are done with here. I think we still got a little bit more judgment to go through but just Mm -hmm. be in prayer and watch this in your own life you know if you find yourself doing this because it's really easy for us to be like oh you know this guy he said this and how dare him but we're just as likely to do that to other people you know it's the plank in the eye you know sort of thing so are we able to love the least of these it always comes back that's been the thing like the verse it's been stuck out to me yeah six months or so and the least of these are the ones who voted different than you can you love them and care for them still yeah they're subhuman <laughs> now you know they used yeah. to they used to come to your christmas you know dinners and now they're subhuman so mm. just be on the lookout for that if you find your church in one of these situations i would definitely start bringing it up to the pastor start shaking the walls um let them know that that's not okay but moving on from the news uh, and before we dive into our bible topic of the week it is new year's and, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a New Year's episode without getting into a little bit of resolution talk. That's fun. We aren't big on <laughs> resolutions in our family, to be honest. But, you know, I don't think they hurt anything. It's just basically a plan for you to divert from. Yeah. But, well, I think because it's New Year's resolution and you know that everybody else is doing it. So you kind of feel you're not alone in trying to do something new. Like everybody's... I don't know, everybody's talking about it. So you feel more motivated and excited and well, and I never think it's stick a, to it more than you normally would. <laughs> well, it's never, ta- it's never a bad idea to start something right. good. You know, I think a lot of times too, with these resolutions, people, you know, they may feel stupid, especially like maybe if you're overweight and you're like, uh, people are going to laugh at me if I tell them I'm going to start going to the gym and lose weight. Who cares if they laugh at you, go lose weight, be healthier. <laughs> Let them laugh until you lose that 20 pounds and then you're laughing at them. So we're not big on resolutions, but we are big on having a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So did you have any New Year's resolutions going into 2022? Yeah, I um, didn't write anything down yet, but I'm going to. I'm already procrastinating. But (laughs) um, I I think I just need to um, have a new morning routine in order to do the things that I want to do. I need to plan better. And what is the saying? If you don't plan, you fail. I don't know how you if word you it. Fail to plan, you fail to plan, plan to fail. Plan to fail. Yes. So if I can't even make a plan, 
and nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to keep it simple and just focus on that. And I can change my plan, tweak it along the way. <laughs> I have a plan to divert from. Yeah. So for me, I kind of, I planned for this episode well, so I wrote some notes down. Uh, my big one, uh, well, I wrote down my personal reading list. Um, it's just a small, you know, God willing, I'll read more than three books, but I just put down three that I want to read. Um, and I'm not a big fiction reader. Um, I don't feel like I have a lot of time in my life left anymore for fiction. Um, so the first book I want to read, I'm currently reading the biography on Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas. I want to finish that. It's a very good book. Um, the second one I'm going to read is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Meditation on the Psalms. I'm going to try to get through that one. And then the other one we just sort of mentioned last week in the Christmas episode is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Christmas devotional. Um, I want to read that with the kids this year. So by the end of the year, hopefully I will have finished this part of my New Year's resolution. Um, and then the second one, um, like I've mentioned, my brother's business, I've asked you guys to pray for that a couple times. It's just starting to get up and rolling here in 2022. So I want to help that be very successful. And then the last one, I'm kind of I think, as I've mentioned, I've taken over the church's sort of media and kind of working on the website and YouTube and all that. So I just want to make that good, make it successful and enjoyable mm -hmm. for people. You on forgot there. a book. Maybe you want to keep telling you to read it oh, and take yes. that little test in there. As I haven't, that's in next episode in The Good Husband. I'm going to read oh boy. <laughs> The Five Love Languages after all these years. I'll finally figure out Nikki's love language. You haven't figured it out yet? I haven't figured it out. And I told you over the years, it's changed. I took that test a long time ago. I'm like, well. That means I get to read the book more than once. I'm a once. different woman. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to be our uh, resolutions. We'd love to hear what kind of resolutions you guys got or really just plans. Um, and then also, if you get a chance to look through this list on CT's website, um, we'd love to hear from you about what stories you think are big or even more just what you think we as Christians should be looking out for in 2022, kind of keeping our, uh, our eyes on the prize there. Love to hear from you guys. Please jump on. If you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, throw us some comments on there. If you're on the podcast, please follow us. Um, leave us a review if you've got time. And then jump on social media or Discord and come talk to us, come pray with us, come pray for us. We definitely need it um, and all that good stuff. So this took long enough. Let's get to the Bible topic. Um, and sort of building off of our previous episode that we did on marriage, um, where we kind of looked at marriage more broadly, and we'll have that linked. Um, you can go find that. And um, today we want to look more at the aspect of, you know, being a wife in a godly marriage. And then, like I've mentioned next week, uh, we'll be kind of looking at the husband side of things. So as a good wife, you want to get this kicked off? Um, <laughs> I'll shut up because I've been rambling. Okay. I like your new talk. Okay. But anyway, I was just thinking about what is the purpose of marriage for a woman? And I mean, we never did any marriage counseling or anything ahead of time. I think we were just in love and got married and, and it was just about being together and not really knowing how to think through or how to act when things, I don't know, just small things would like, can really set you off and start thinking, oh, did I marry the wrong one? Like, you know, like Hollywood movies kind of ruin what marriage is supposed to be for you. But I mean, I always loved you and adored you. I've never doubted that I married the wrong person. Oh, she said it. <laughs> But I can see um, how a lot of people have that mindset. And um, so just like going into marriage, just thinking about them making you just happy or um, I don't know, just thinking about um, sacrifice, um, submitting to your husband. That was never anything that I was taught. And then every time, you know, you hear. Um, submitting to your husband, it's Claws always, 
I don't know. It's like everybody, I think that's the most hated Bible verse. <laughs> it's got to be up there. <laughs> so I just don't think a woman can be fully prepared for all the hard times in marriage. But the important thing is to be taught how to, to handle those things and to understand what marriage is and what it is not in order to even have a healthy marriage. So you get married to a seemingly, seemingly perfect man. <laughs> Nobody's perfect though. Um, so it, we don't expect to have any, any problems going in. So loving and serving them is, that sounds easy because they're just so amazing and easy to love. But um, what happens when they aren't so amazing anymore? What about when they disappoint you or they're, I don't know, like that uh, honeymoon phase wears off. What do you do then when you're angry? Can you still serve them in humility? And can you bring yourself to submit to them and serve them with honor and respect, even though in your mind you're thinking, well, they don't deserve it. They didn't earn it. You know, that kind of mentality. And that's our culture. So. No, and I think this uh, and just sort of FYI, if you want to go check out these sermons that we'll have listed, because this is something that they kind of talk about that I really liked. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you talked about like, oh, we marry him because we're in love and, you know, have those butterflies in your stomach or whatever, you know, but we all know the verse, you know, obviously the verse Nikki's talking about um, Ephesians five twenty two, right? The most hated verse in the Bible. Um, wives <laughs> submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord, though. Um, yeah. Forget about know, that part. But I think wives, they need to be smart about who they marry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because the Bible says wives submit to your own husbands. So why not submit to a man? Like, why not marry a man that you're willing to submit to? You know, and this mm -hmm. is something I think Paul Washer talks about. Um, it's yeah, it's a lot easier to submit to somebody that you can respect, that you love, mm -hmm. that you know is like working hard. That's not a bum, not you know all these sorts of things. You've been watching Rocky watching too, too much. much. Rocky. <laughs> yeah, that's our new uh, Christmas bum. tradition. We just started this year with the kids. Is we're watching all the all eight of the Rocky and Creeds. We're finishing up Creed two um, coming up soon. So I've been calling everybody a bum. Um, but this point that like. Um, and Paul Washer makes this point. I think it's a brilliant point that women should not be out looking for a boyfriend or a husband. And I know that that seems very like countercultural to what we do in America today. Uh, but really, women out searching for a boyfriend or a husband is not the historical model. Like mm -hmm. that's not traditionally what women right. of olden days would have done. Mm -hmm. You know, women are typically or they used to be courted by men. Men would go and seek women and they would court them. Um, mm -hmm. And the woman would select the man or her family type thing would select the best mm. one for her. Um, and the point that Paul Washer makes, which I think is obviously we don't have arranged marriages and stuff like that in this country, that women should be trusting God to bring the right man across mm. their path. Um, and they should be trusting that God's going to give them the wisdom to choose that right man. And, you know, I think. Probably the reason why this has gotten so distorted, at least in our country, um, it's probably feminism's fault. I'll just blame it on feminism, you know, because the idea with feminism, right, is at least in my simpleton mind was it started with, hey, women are equal to men. We're all like, sure, that yeah, makes sense. And then they're like, well, women can do what men can do. And you're like, eh, OK, sure, I can kind of see where you're going with that. But now it's just like women are men. We're mm -hmm. just the same thing now. We're all interchangeable. and. Because of this, kind of the whole dating and courtship world kind of been done away with. You know, mm -hmm. like our world almost looks down on people if you marry somebody for any reason other than love. Yeah. Like if you came up to your girlfriends, and you're like, yeah, I met this guy. And they're like, oh, tell us about him. And you're like, oh, he's got a loving, stable family, loves his parents. He's a college graduate and a very um, a job with a lot of upward mobility. Um, mm -hmm. he's not a drinker or a smoker. They'd be like, okay, well, like, what does he look like? <laughs> like they'd want to know, like, are you in love with this man? You know? So I just think, mm -hmm. you know, it shouldn't just be this feeling of love or this desire. 
Um, you know, we've all kind of seen how that's worked out in America, I think, in the last few decades, right? I mean, we've talked about 50 mm-hmm. to 60% divorce rates. But I think women ought to be selecting husbands for building a life, sort of building a family should be the idea. Mm-hmm. And then it should be somebody that they can and will submit to, you know, and this in turn, as these men are trying to court them, would make them want to be the man that a good woman will select. Um, That's kind of the way that it should work, but it's all upside down. I mean, none of that happens anymore. I just feel like, man, just women are always like picking the wrong guy. I just feel like, man, if these arranged marriages are still going on today, I think fathers are going to choose a stand-up guy for their daughter. Like, oh yeah, how many of these bums dis the were the dad disapproved of them, you know? But the girl's like, but I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's in a like, band, dad. You gotta get your dad's approval. Like, guys don't even ask permission to marry their daughter anymore. It's like I'm gonna do what I want. I love him. No, and so. I mean, I know that that probably isn't something most women would want to hear in today's world. Yeah, that like. You shouldn't be out looking for a husband. You should be waiting for the right guy to come they across your path. Come to you. Yeah, you just be busy serving the Lord and caring for people and trusting that God will bring him along. I remember my grandpa being mad when I called a boy and he said, no, they're supposed to call you. He's like, you don't go chasing. Like he was really upset about it. And I never sure, thought about that then. I was like, why does that matter? But I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a good Just, point. But anyway, I mean, women women know that their that their husbands have flaws. Like you, yeah, obviously don't get married thinking they are perfect. It's just that love, that feeling, um, really blinds you to flaws. Like you know the flaws are there, but you can ignore them. You know, so but so women go into marriage thinking, oh, I know there's flaws, and I love him, but I'll just change him later on. Like. He loves me so much. He'll do anything that I ask, and I won't ask him right away eventually. Um, you know, he'll just listen to me when I bring it up because he adores me. And I don't know. I wasn't thinking that. I just know that's how we hear about things. <laughs> all the things I'm saying are not me. <laughs> I believe you. I mean, I've heard it all, too. I mean, we've had plenty of friends who, you know, are married we've to heard idiots, it all. Yeah. and you hear them all talking, and you're like... You know, yeah, you're not changing anybody. It's tough because once you're married, you're married. Yeah. You know, there's no, there should be no getting out of it. So you hear all these stories and you're like. And you're like, well, what you... happens when they don't change or when you can't change them? And I just think about the gospel, like, okay, God saves us as we are, but he is the one who changes us. He doesn't leave us as we are. Um, so we're married to Christ first and then he changes us. So women, like, do we think that we're like God and we can clean up our husbands and mold them into the image that we like best? And I think we've got to pray and not try to change them. Like, that's just, that we're just going to wear ourselves out emotionally. We're going to get exhausted. And what, no, do we even pray about these things? Like, you don't marry somebody with the goal of perfecting them. No, I mean, well, you shouldn't. And this kind of goes with our... I think point four of our like general marriage episode and episode one. And we kind of talked about that there that, um, you know, in some respects you have to let your spouse be who they are, you know, because you can't go in trying to change them. Um, You know, and I think this is probably a bigger issue for women. Um, And I think women definitely have a harder time with this. And it's probably mostly because men are big kids and we do a lot of things that irritate women because we're just, you know, 13-year-olds in a 36-year-old body, basically. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to her thing in point one, where if you marry the right guy, someone you're willing to submit to and all this thing, then those should also be the same kind of people that are willing to kind of work on some of the issues, the flaws that they have, because they want to make you happy and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you can't change people. You know, that's kind of the big point. Only God in that person can change that person. You can bring a lot of stress, a lot of strife. Um, and people may stop doing things that you not, you know, don't want them to do, but that doesn't mean that they've changed. Mm-hmm. It just means that they're like begrudgingly not doing something that you don't want yeah. them to do. So that can bring a lot of, you know, issues into a mm-hmm. family. 
Um, so you do have to allow for some annoyance in a marriage, you know, yeah, that's people true. just being who they are. Um, so long as those aren't like sinful issues, you know, stuff that's yeah. putting your family or your marriage at risk, you right. know, that definitely has to be squashed. But if it's just me being me, you know, watching Rockies at Christmas, <laughs> you just gotta let me watch Rocky at Christmas. I didn't Christmas. complain. <laughs> you didn't, because everyone thinks they don't like Rocky, and then they watch him, and they're like, their eyes are watering because they're tearing up, and they're like, oh, that Stallone, he gets me every time. <laughs> so, well, this whole idea of like wanting to change your spouse or the hope that they'll change, and it's like the Bible doesn't even teach uh teach wives that they should only submit to their husbands if the husbands meet certain requirements and the only requirement is that they are the husband so just again thinking about a relationship with god like do we withhold our serving and submitting to god because say god didn't answer our prayers the way we wanted him to answer our prayers and i was just thinking like that would be so crazy to teach someone that because it would be crazy to tell a woman to not submit to her husband if he didn't do what she expected him to do. So again, like who was, who was he when you married him? Did you already have your mind made up to serve him for better or for worse? If that worse was, he's not going to change these flaws that I know are there. And if you knew that you couldn't change those flaws, would you still marry him? Would you still submit to him anyway? Like, do you draw lines in your mind and tell yourself that if he crossed any of those lines, then, then you're, not, you're no longer bound to serve him, submit to him? Um, so we need to remember that God invented marriage, and it's marriage by God's terms, not by our definition, our terms that we make up, because we get offended and we think, oh, they don't deserve respect. They don't deserve honor and love and just basic things. Um, we make marriage like way too emotional. It's like based way just on emotions and not like serving God by serving one another. So I don't know. We don't get to alter what it looks like and still call it marriage. And I was just thinking how, you know, we can judge um, those for being gay and getting married. Um, but all the while we won't even play our part in our heterosexual marriage. And so we misrepresent, uh, a godly marriage as well. So, you know, we got a plank in our own eye, not saying that, you know, gay marriage is okay, but all the while, like you're still not representing marriage the way God intended it. So absolutely. And, you know, especially when you get into that marriage situation, I mean, it was Matthew 16, 24 tells us that, um, you know, Christ tells us that we're supposed to deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily to follow him. Um, that marriage, as soon as you said, I do, that became part of your cross. Um, and dying again, to self, that's what you, you committed to <laughs> made a really bad marriage decision. You made your cross heavier. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't get to carry it anymore. You just made yeah. it heavier. Um, but obviously, whenever you delve into the topic of wife submission, um, you know, I feel like it's a topic that, at least when we hear it, pastors are always sort of trying to tread lightly um, in the topic of wife submission, which is why we added. Um, so we have two sermon recommendations on this episode, and one's from Paul Washer, where his is more biblical marriage. But the second one is from John MacArthur, and it's just called A Godly Wife. And what I love about MacArthur is he really doesn't mince. He just reads the scriptures and tells you what it means. Um, yeah. But, you know, the thing that he says in there is um, the Bible makes it pretty clear that women don't submit to every man. They mm -hmm. submit to their one husband. So it's not like women are at this perpetual submission state to mm -hmm. every man who right. strolls down the street. It's you're submitting to your husband. Um, and the Bible also makes clear that there's no superiority in the body of Christ. Like men aren't superior to women because women are supposed to be submissive to them. It right. just means that human life functions when there's order. Um, and there's an order in the, the body as far as, you know, it's, we live in a family. Like at some point, somebody has to make decisions. Mm -hmm. um, men are just naturally the way God made them to be, you know, stronger, 
uh, the mindset more, I guess, of a leader. I mean, I don't just know a what focus it, mind. Women are more emotional. Like, I don't know. Oh, For me, I'm Women scatterbrained. Just freaked out and just turned <laughs> this off. But you're the, calm. Men are just calmer and stronger. I think mentally is. Well, it's just well, the way God set the order up. Men are to be the head of the family, and Christ is the head of the the church. Yeah. So we're all submissive to somebody. Yeah. Um, and biblical submission isn't about spiritual inferiority. Like it right. doesn't mean that a wife is somehow spiritually inferior because she's submitting to her husband. Um, mm-hmm. There is no spiritual inferiority uh, among believers. You know, we're all right. subject to Christ. But like I said, just in the family structure, ultimately, you know, there has to be a head and a final authority biblically. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to hear it, but that's the husband. It's just the way it is. And you can wrestle with it. You can stress and, you know, bring the anguish in yourself but that's the way it is um so you know you're not spiritually inferior but you do have that cross to bear and for the wife bearing that cross is submitting to your husband and for the husband it's loving your wife i mean you can neither one of those is easier than the other they can both be equally Mm -hmm. difficult at different times Um, we've all been in situations where just saying i love you to your spouse is not the easiest thing right in the middle of a heated argument to stop and go I love you, honey. Like, it's hard to do. Same thing when your husband's being a turd or a bum, as Rocky would say. It's hard to be like, I'm going to submit to him. Like, they're equally difficult things to do. Um, And what does it mean? Let's just say, for example, you've had an argument and it's like dinner time. Is the wife going to not cook dinner? I don't know. I think it's good to, like, give examples. What does submit mean? Is the husband going to request something? And she's going to say no, or is she just going to stop doing her, the daily routine that the husband is used to going on? Like, yeah, I don't know if it's like, you know, we, we try to have a bedtime routine here and usually I'm the, you know, I'm the warden of the bedtime routine. So yeah, I guess in that situation, if we were arguing and I was like, Nikki, it's time for the kids to go to bed. And you were like, no, it isn't. (laughs) <laughs> not until you apologize to me it is it and you're like what are you kidding me like no i said it's bedtime you know that could be i guess be a situation where like i will not do what you tell me to do like yeah that sounds like okay well you're a being bratty a teenager to yeah. the dad or to the parent like you can't tell me what to do like i don't know i think that's the way some people maybe imagine it i was just trying to think of an example i don't know uh, it's always a touchy subject but you know, however you dance around it, you just got to come to terms with it. It's the mm-hmm. biblical way a marriage works. You don't got to like it, but you just got to accept it. I don't know how else to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, this is one that I wrote down kind of as I was sitting up here, kind of jotting through my notes. Um, is gossip. You know, I think that's a an ungodly way for a wife to behave. Um, I know, you know, me and my brother have had this talk a lot and I do this as a husband, you know, um, not gossiping about your spouse and all that. And, you know, if a husband is the head of the house, sort of in the vein of Christ kind of thing at the head of that family, um, like Christ is the head of the church, you should not be gossiping or slandering him to your friends. You know, guys do this. Like I've mentioned, I'm in the military. I hear this quite a lot and it drives me nuts, you know, talking about, um, your spouse to your friends, what they did, and all these sorts mm-hmm. of things, it, it makes you look and sound like an idiot. You know, when you're talking about how bad your spouse is, like mm-hmm. there's no way to soften it. You sound like a moron when you're out gossiping or talking down about your spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, because basically what you're telling people is I had such poor judgment <laughs> that I chose somebody that's this bad for me. And if that's on you. literally yeah. going to be what someone tells you, if your judgment's that bad, why would I care about anything else you have to say? Mm. Like the biggest decision of your life and you blew it and you're like, well, I know I screwed mine up, but let me help you with yours. You'd be like, I'm all right, dude. You know, it'd be <laughs> like if somebody invested all their money in pets.com and went broke and they're like, well, I know I lost all in the stock market, but let me tell you where to put your money. You'd be like, right. I think I'll handle my money myself, but <laughs> I appreciate the help, you know? Um, but really, like, what's the point of gossip? And it's really, I think, to make people feel sorry for you. 
you're going to go and tell me, oh, my husband did this. Can you believe that he did this? And then I had to do and then And you want people to be like, oh, my God, you're so strong what a and victim. brave. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if you're unhappy, take it up with them. Take it up with mm-hmm. God. That's where it should be. And then if it gets more serious than that, go to counseling. You know, but just going to lunch and talking about your spouse, I think, is not something a spouse at all should be doing, but specifically a godly wife. If mm-hmm. you're supposed to be in the role of submission to your husband, that's a really bad look. Yeah. I don't know how you feel right. about gossip. Um, I don't like it either. I mean, it's a common thing. It yeah, is. and I think you need to be careful about the whole of like, I wasn't gossiping. We were just talking about what we were, something I was going through. And you're like, eh. And don't even do it in the it form of a prayer request either. I need to talk, talk about this so that you guys can pray. Mm-mm. I need you guys to pray for my husband because nope. he's a lazy You don't bum. ask other people to pray about things that you haven't even brought to that person's attention and prayed about with them. Don't do it. Yeah, I think it's a bad look. It's not godly. Um, the second point that I wrote down here, and I, well, I wrote down placing your children higher than your husband. And I wrote this down because I think this is a trap that more women fall into than men. Um, especially if you're in a bad marriage, you know, if you're in a bad marriage, it's easy to spend, you know, your emotions and and your time with your children rather than with your husband. But you can find this even in a good marriage where, you know, your devotion kind of falls to the children. Um, And that's not the way a biblical marriage should be. Um, The husband and wife should be the most important people on earth to each other. And the kids come somewhere after that. And I know that's hard, especially for women who gave birth and carried this child. But the Bible is clear that husband and wife, that is the highest uh, sort of relationship on earth. Mm-hmm. So you definitely can. Yeah, it's like honoring, like the children came from this union. It's backwards. It's like God saying you're worshiping the creation over the creator type of thing. Yeah, I am their creator. <laughs> yep. They will worship me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's a a tricky one I would just say watch out for. Um, And then as we kind of get ready to wrap this, or we're getting close to the end here, Mm -hmm. but we remember reading through this article that was from like the 1950s. You guys have probably read it or seen it. Yeah, several times. It's been on Facebook and stuff like that, but we think it's pretty funny, and we don't think it's terribly off base all the time, so we thought it'd be fun to kind of go through each of these points and Mm -hmm. see how we feel about them. And then we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about these points. Cause every time we've seen somebody or like shown this post to somebody, they freak out, you know, especially the, you know, the self-sufficient woman, uh, feminist of the group, they, Mm. they do not like it. So, um, it was serious back in the day though. Yeah. So it comes from this, I guess this magazine It's called the good wife's guide. Good wife. (laughs) And the first point it says here is Hmm. have dinner ready, plan ahead, even the night before to have a delicious, delicious meal ready on time for his return. This is a way of letting him know that you have been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs. Most men are hungry when they come home (laughs) and the prospect of a good meal is part of a warm welcome. That Uh, just seems like common sense. Like, did you really need to write that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay with this. Uh, I think this makes sense. Good. Yeah, I agree. And I know, obviously, the part that gets people riled up is the wife is at home cooking. Um, but again, you'll have to listen to the John MacArthur Godly Wife sermon, because um, he will tell you plainly from the Bible, the wife's design, God-designed role is to be a housemaker. Uh, women, especially in 2021, do not like to hear that, but yeah, we've had no new scriptures written. Um, so that is still... Uh, the highest place for them. Um, so if you're at home it's taking good. care of the household and the family, you should have a meal ready when your husband comes home from work. Same thing if your wife does happen to work and you're at home. And I think that's the big thing about most of these points here. Mm-hmm. It's just common decency. Yeah. You know, if the husband happens to be home and your wife is out and coming home and it's dinner time, you should have dinner ready. Yeah. You shouldn't be starving at nine o'clock He's at night. He's the king of the house. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. Uh, Point number two, do you want to read that? Prepare yourself. (laughs) Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup, put a ribbon in your hair, and be fresh looking. He has just been with a lot of work-weary people. That is kind of funny. It's like, 
don't tell me to wear makeup. What if I don't want to wear makeup? Do I have to put a ribbon in my hair? I don't know. I think it's very nice. You take 15 minutes for yourself and rest. That's a really good one. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think it's a good point, whether you follow it or not. Uh, I work with a bunch of ugly mugs. And this is kind of back again to that previous episode where we talked about in point number one, being who you were better. Uh, now, this is obviously on a day-to-day -day level, but you know, just sort of reminding them when they come home, hey, I'm the nice-looking person that you <laughs> married. I'm not a slob in pajama pants, um, you know, with a stained T-shirt on. And God bless you if that's you, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt a marriage to yeah. be dressed nice um, when your husband comes home. You well, know, you nobody go... likes to walk home from a long day of work and be like, "Oh my God, these kids are a nightmare. I couldn't even get to clean in the house." But just and think it's how like... it's like embarrassing for the husband. Say someone came over and you look like that. Like you represent your husband. Like we represent christ you People, do girls blood you want to hang right out now. in your pajamas <laughs> and go shopping and not do your hair it just reflects poorly on your husband like he's the provider and people might think gosh does he not provide enough to even get you some clothes or some shampoo you know like yeah it just it reflects poorly on your husband and i i i don't know would you say that that would make you feel that way. Like, why don't you take care of yourself? I provide enough. No, that again, you it's should not something to. where like, if it wasn't done that I would be upset. Like if I came home and you were just lounging in pajamas. It's just laziness, I guess. Well, and I wouldn't even recognize it as laziness. But when you do come home and you are dressed nice, you notice it and you're like, hey, where are you going? Like, nothing. I'm just here making dinner. And you're like, all right, nice. <laughs> like, it's just something you notice and you appreciate. If, the, if it's not done, you don't really notice it. But you certainly notice it when it's done. So it's just a nice touch. Um, the third point here is it says be a little gay and a little more interesting for him. His boring day may need a lift. And one of your duties is to provide it. <laughs> I just laugh because women are like clawing their ears out right now. But I do think this is important. Um, again, just be enjoyable to be around. I think that's all it's saying. Don't be a downer. Just have something fun and interesting to talk about but being I just want to point out this whole article is all um, surrounded around preparing for your husband to be home it has nothing to do with the rest of your day. It's just preparing for the moment he walks in the door. That's it. Yeah, it's just basically little tips. Making, it's not telling home. you your whole life, what you did in the morning, what you did while he was gone, the errands you ran, the things that you did. Maybe you did go have lunch with your friends. You have a life outside of just being a homemaker that's okay it's not saying you can't this is just like a 15 minute some tips <laughs> no and i think they're good um we'll read the next two kind of together okay. it says clear away the clutter make one last trip through the main part of the house just before your husband arrives and then it says gather up school books toys paper and then run a dust cloth, cloth over the tables yeah um to me, I mean, clutter in the house is a big thing for me. I, mm -hmm. especially in the kitchen, it hey, drives me, me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so this again, it's just a nice touch. It's nice to yeah. walk into a clean house. Yeah. A, same thing goes for the husband. If you're home and the wife is gone, you should likewise do this. Well, if I came into your place of work and saw that you didn't do anything while you were at work all day, I'd be like, well, "What the heck? What are you doing? Why are you going to work?" It's like, "Well, you come home and you see that the house is a wreck." It's like, "Well, what did you do all day?" Same yeah. thing. It's definitely bad to be a stay-at-home wife and the house is a wreck and you're like, what yeah. are you doing all day? Yeah. Like, uh, again, you may have a very justifiable <laughs> reason why it's a wreck. Yeah. But there's good, there's you good have days to justify it. You yes. Know? Whereas if it just looks clean. Life happens, for sure. Um, do you want to read this one? Mm-hmm. Um, over the cooler months of the year, you should prepare and light a fire for him to unwind by. Your husband will feel he has reached a haven of rest and order, and it will give you a lift too. After all, catering for his comfort will provide you with immense personal satisfaction. <laughs> hey, that's true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, these things that they're saying about husbands, it's working women, you're like, I get it. That applies to anybody who's coming home from work. Women yeah, and or it's men. It's kind of funny, you know, prepare a fire. Obviously, that's pretty selective to what your house has. Well, but maybe they didn't have heat. I do think I the know. idea of <laughs> reaching your haven of rest and order. Um, your home should be mm -hmm. a place that you actually enjoy being. Yeah. And it should actually be 
enjoyable and peaceful and a place that you want to spend time. And again, putting on a fire could just be, you know, maybe if your husband works late and it's Monday and he's a sports fan, just put Monday Night Football on the TV. And he walks in, and he's like, oh, the game's on, cool. And you want to feel welcome in your like, own home. It's a simple thing. And I think that's yeah. the big thing about all these is they're simple things. Yep. And they don't take a lot of time. But yeah, it's that you walk in the house and you're like, ah, I'm happy to this be home. This is like the submitting to your husband, just being thoughtful. That's all it is. All right, we're not going to read through all of these because there's yeah. a lot of them. But um, one of them here, I think, prepare the children. Um, take a few minutes to wash their faces. Uh, minimize all noise at the time of his arrival. Uh, I think, again, if you're home all day and you've got a bunch of kids, not a bad touch. Because mm -hmm. I would say the same thing goes for pets. You know, we have a couple pets here. We're watching dogs. And when I walk in the door and two dogs are basically trying to bust out the front door when I'm coming in, hands are full, it's super irritating. Mm -hmm. So if your kids, you know, are there and they're making a bunch of noise, they're dirty, not a bad touch to clean them up and be like, hey, just go play in your rooms for a second. As soon as dad gets settled, um, he'll come say hi, all that sort of stuff. We'll have some dinner. But just let him walk into a peaceful place. Again, should be the same for your and wife. And what if it doesn't happen? All this happen. stuff, if I fail, I mean, of course I failed. I don't, I don't, life happens sometimes when I'm gone. I'm at the store when you get home. It's just, life is different. It's for everybody. Our schedules are different. No, and again, yeah, if none of this happens, so what? You still love yeah. your wife. <laughs> but again, I think these are funny. They're a good touch. Yeah, um, they're just ideas. Like, think of these. They're just, they're just little thoughtful do you ideas. Have any last points on here you want to bring up? before we just kind of move along because we're not running a good forever. wife always knows her place <laughs> that's the one i was gonna go to very last point just always know your place uh, pretty funny no. you know what your place is that was always thinking of others it's thinking of others before yourself and i, yeah. I think that's every christian's place so I, I don't think this article was written um by christians obviously it's just yeah it's 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 kind of Putting, I don't know, I kind of look at some of those as thinking. No, it definitely like, puts the woman down a little yeah. bit. In some of these, you know, we're like, his day was more important than yours. Yeah, like, that one. All right, no, it's not. But more, you don't, uh, what, you, what he has to say is more important than anything you have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree with all of them, but they're all like just good ideas. Um, we've also, we were kind of reading over, this doesn't necessarily line up perfectly well with the Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, so obviously where these conflict, lean into proverbs 31 yeah uh, but i will say as we end on this note don't greet him with complaints and problems yeah that's a good one um if no something one likes... serious happened of course if it's an emergency yeah but don't <laughs> you know they walk in the door and be like you will not believe and i tried to do this and, and the guy's like can i set my bag down real quick and you know give him a breather um again same thing for your wife don't greet him at the door with problems that's just not i fun. think it'd be a good idea like just us talking about this article and say, hey, pick three things, your top three you would just like to be to have done when you walk in the door. Easy. I just greet want you to him know with your a place. smile. That's all I want. I can just smile. Oh, I just pick one. Just smile and have dinner ready. Okay. Now, we'll have this list <laughs> up on our Discord if you want to go check that out. Uh, it's a fun <laughs> list. Uh, maybe sit down if your wife hasn't seen it, talk about it with her and um, see if you walk out with two black eyes. It'll be fun. Um, so for our sermon recommendations, um, as I've kind of mentioned throughout this, the first one is from Paul Washer, and that's just on biblical marriage, uh, but he makes a lot of good points in there. He even brings up some good points about studying the Bible with your young children. Um, Paul Washer is always money, uh, always a good listen. And then the second one is from, uh, John MacArthur, as I said, on the godly wife. And, you know, nobody's really any better at just giving you what the Bible says, um, not mincing words. No one's mm -hmm. really better than John MacArthur on that. And I forgot to add one in that I'm going to add in because we just re-listened to it again. And I think, again, going into a new year, it's always good to sort of refocus yourself. Uh, again, making a plan, kind of going into a year. So we're going to put uh, Admiral McRaven's um, if you want to change the world, start with making your bed speech. Um, you guys have probably heard that again, mm -hmm. but much like all good speeches, they're always worth another listen, especially as you're kind of 
you know, starting over and new year is always a chance to kind of start over. So give those a listen. It's always good, motivating, um, mm. kind of a thing. So as we get ready to end this episode, baby, is there any, um, last thoughts you want to get out? Well, just thinking with the way, um, our culture is, I mean, I work outside the home. Most women, you know, work outside the home. And so, so we can tell ourselves at work, you know, we hear this a lot. I mean, you'll tell it to me when I'm leaving, like, you know, you're working for the Lord, you know, do a good job, you know, and so we can have this mindset at work. You can have a terrible boss and still have that mindset as a Christian, like I'm going to do this job as if I'm doing it for the Lord. So why can't we take that mindset into marriage? What if you have a husband who isn't kind all the time? Maybe he's easily angered. Maybe he complains a lot or doesn't appreciate, doesn't seemingly appreciate all that you do, all the work you do. And just maybe just notices what you don't do. Like, are you going to serve him on, as if you're serving the Lord? And of course you have more motivation at work. You get paid for your work, but what is your reward for your obedience to your husband? So you have to remember that God sees our heart. And if you suffer in your duties, um, you will be rewarded richly in heaven. And being a Christian is all about dying to yourself anyway. And there's no there is no better experience in life of dying to yourself and serving others than that of marriage. It is the toughest, but it, it is the most rewarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. So just looking over that article, I was just, just reading it and I'm like, oh, I long to be that, that good housewife of the 1950s. And like you said, like that's before the feminist movement, but I long for that. I'm like, I wish it was that simple. I want that to be all I do. <laughs> But, you know, other things in life we got to do. The world is different and you don't put that kind of a burden on your husband. The world is crazy and yeah, we know what's going on. So those are just like thoughtful tasks and, you know, women would see those tasks as burdensome and which of course are, they can be some of them when you work part time or full time. And, um, so then your kids are in daycare. So of course, this article is laughable in our culture, but yeah, it would be nice to have all that. You know, I just want to cook and clean, teach the kids and go places together, make memories. And I mean, but these things are possible because of my husband, like he still works and he's deserving of, even if I didn't think he was deserving, nobody's perfect. No, nobody's really deserves all those good things but you're appreciative just like we're appreciative of what god has done for us so that we we willingly uh serve him so like we will do all these things i was just thinking all this stuff is in that article is what we do when we have guests coming over you get all dressed up you do your makeup you get the house cleaned you have like your best dinner everything because you have some friends coming over but why would you not do that for your husband? Like, it's his house. He's the king of the house. And I was just thinking about, you know, Jesus talking about, well, when the master comes, I know he's talking about when he returns, like, will he find his servants being profitable, like doing his work? So like when your husband comes home, is he going to find that you are just doing your, your duty as a wife, as a homemaker? Like, why, why would it be so hard just to do that? And he's deserving of it. Like that's you get married and you serve your husband and don't think there's anything wrong with most of those things in that article. I think, I don't know. I agree with most of it. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, he's a master of the house. I mean, he gives me a good life. I know he cherishes and protects me so that I can serve him. Um, And it is this perfect cycle designed by God. And, and there's going to be bumps along the way. And, but those are moments for us to demonstrate forgiveness and even more humility. So if I have a bad day and I don't do all these things described in the article, Spencer might be a little annoyed, you know, until I explain to him, like, what's going on? Or, but that's just his flesh, the part of you that gets annoyed. And, um, but because he's ruled by the Spirit of God, he has compassion and will serve those that are the least, like Jesus uh, demonstrated to us. Um, 
which in turn causes me all the more to desire to serve him. So this is the life uh, of us who have been saved by grace. We desire to live to serve God because of his mercy and compassion on us. And when we fall and we confess, but because we are weak, but he will have compassion on us and help us and not pour out anger on us. So if our husbands are to represent Jesus and love us, they will respond the same way uh, when we have a bad day. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, I just want to end by saying, you know, this, you know, a godly wife, um, again, her role, uh, she is to be submissive or to submit to her husband in that role. Um, and John MacArthur will make the point that a godly wife, her top priority is not to be working outside the house. Her top priority is to be the one who takes charge of the home and the children and raising the family. That's a godly wife's highest priority. I mean, that can make everyone upset if you want, that's fine. But if it's biblical, it, it is what it is. Um, so I would say if that's not your priority, then I would say you're probably not ready to be a wife. Um, that's something that you may need to do a little bit more um, praying about, you know, digging deeper um, with your relationship with God. It doesn't mean that, that that's all you have in life, but that should be your high priority in the marriage. Um, and yeah, I, I just think if that's not where you are, you know, I don't think you should be diving into marriage uh, and then just running into roadblock after roadblock. And, um, you know, if raising a family and taking care of a home is something that's not on your, your list of things to do, I think it's, you know, something you should pray about to get your mindset changed. Cause I don't think our world is doing mm -hmm. too well with letting daycares and public education raise our children mm -hmm. um, and having nannies and house cleaners take care of our homes, you know, while we're both off in different buildings trying mm -hmm. to earn more and more money to buy more things to impress people we don't know. Right. Uh, I think it's led us down a bad road here. And I think the quicker we can turn around and get back to a more biblical standard of a family, uh, I think the better off we're going to be. So. I know that this, again, this is the most, you know, hated or, uh, you know, teeth clenching verse in the Bible, it seems like for a lot of people, uh, but it's in the Bible. So it is what it is. It's God's word for us. And um, I just pray that you would read over that, you know, with some humility and, and see that it's for our best, you know, man and wife. It's for the best yeah. that we live according to God's principles. Yeah. And I just was thinking on Proverbs 31 woman and just comparing it to that like that's for a good wife but what about a, a godly wife and you know anybody can be that that woman and fake it like she can just be outwardly nice and but a godly husband is going to care about his wife's spiritual condition her relationship with the lord more than how pretty she looks and how quiet and calm it is when he comes home um so I was just going to go over a little bit of the Proverbs 31. Um, I'm not going to read it all, but I like this part. It says the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And then it just goes on to say how she's willingly works with her hands and she gets up really early and she brings food from afar, um, just providing food for her household and, you know, and, in hard times, her family is taken care of. Like she's a, she's a hard worker and it. It doesn't say anything in here about her, um, making everything just so perfect, you know? No, I think that that's actually a good scripture for women who, you know, don't just want to be homebodies mm -hmm. because the Proverbs 31 woman is, it talks about, she's out, she's helping her mm -hmm. household. She's in the market. Yeah. She's in the field. She's doing a lot of things to help provide, but that doesn't take away from her number one priority, which is the family in the house. Right. Um, yeah. It's all to it's help that everything. be a better, it's not to go and get <clears throat> another promotion at work and to get, mm -hmm. you know, another set of letters after your name or all these sorts of things. It's all to make this family unit better and mm -hmm. thrive more. And she cares for the needy. Um, she makes, well, I mean, <laughs> women used to make their own clothing. They make linen garments and sell. I mean, gosh, this woman here does way more than I could ever 
do just looking at it. And I'm like, I wish I could do some of those things. I need to <laughs> learn. And it says she laughs at the times to come. You know, she's not worried because she's diligent. She works willingly. Uh, she's not just sitting at home, you know, being like, <laughs> what is that show? Married with children. Yeah, she's not Peggy Bundy. She's not eating bonbons and blowing her husband's money. Gosh, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Um, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. So charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. So all that stuff, like, yeah, you can get your makeup on, get freshed up before your husband comes home, but it's all deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Um, I like that. Like, you can try to be that woman in the article. Those are just thoughtful things, but this is more important. And if no, I, yeah, you, that article is a, a snapshot in time of your day. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe you could say that's something that the, the Proverbs 31 woman does right before her husband gets home in lieu of all these other uh, things that she's doing. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's all we really got for you guys. Again, we'll be back <laughs> next week with our, um, our godly husband um, episode. And again, Monday through Friday, we have our devotionals. Uh, please go give those a listen, five minute daily devotionals just kind of opening up the Bible and seeing what it has for us that day. And otherwise that is all we got. We will see you guys again on Monday and then back again next Saturday with the podcast. Love you guys. God bless.